welcome to another episode of Small Town Gospel Podcast. I'm Alana, here with Alex, and today we are taking time to remember and reflect on 9-11. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, Thanks for your patience with us as the last few months um, involved quite a lot. Um, Here in the beginning of September, there's a lot of excitement in the air for sure. I love football season. I love a little bit cooler weather. And uh, especially here in Montana, just uh, you wake up and you want to start a campfire. And But by the uh, afternoon, it's quite warm and summer-like and it's just a really cool time of year. Uh, but with September also uh, comes the anniversary of Uh, Certainly one of the great tragedies of American history and uh, the uh, largest terrorist attack ever carried out on American soil. And uh, this coming week will be the 20th anniversary of uh, September 11th. And so today we're just going to take some time and uh, share some personal stories of, of our experience of that day. Uh, kind of its uh, lasting influence and impact in our lives and then kind of broaden out a little bit and talk uh, about its effects more uh, on a large scale. So we've uh, both as friends and um, even on this podcast before talked about my September 11th story. So let's start with with you. What what was your experience? Yeah, well, I was a little bit younger than you were. <laughs> um, <laughs> you still are. Yeah, yeah still am. <laughs> And so I had just turned six when 9-11 happened, and we were in the process of moving from Hawaii to the mainland and selling a house and uh, figuring out, my grandparents were trying to figure out how to continue to run their business from the mainland. There were just a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, and... They had people interested in our house and it, in Hawaii, yes, okay, uh, to buy. And they were gonna like sign papers or something either on that day or on the day after. Oh, and then this tragic event happened, and our world just kind of paused. And I remember, uh, we were home and we were looking at the television. And I just distinctly remember chaos and smoke and sirens and people jumping out of buildings. Mm. And I, at six years old, you're like, what's going on? Why is that happening? And my grandparents were just in such despair and just in that shock in their face. Mm. And so I knew that it was more than whatever other chaos you saw in the news. Sure. Uh, And... Then they started frantically figuring out, like, what is our life going to look like in selling a house and managing a business and moving now that what we know is literally on fire. Um, And so as time went on, the people still went through with the house. We still moved. Uh, But I think the biggest change that I remember out of all of this is the shift in how airport security was handled. Hmm. Um, So we had traveled quite a bit in my life, and uh, 
airports, especially in Hawaii, were very uh, aloha style, very relaxed. <laughs> and you could just walk up to the tarmac, even if you weren't flying, and just spend time with your family. And obviously, right after 9-11, things were so strict, and it took yeah. hours, and it was very intense and searching. And uh, here we are moving all of our stuff across huh. the ocean right. in a time where everything's being searched and you're being questioned and you're being patted down and I just remember that specifically was the one thing that stuck out to me of the immediate change after 9-11 hmm. yeah uh so is it something that you think about very often so obviously with me like it, it's kind of tied up with um uh, me coming to faith in Mm -hmm. Christ and so whenever I think about my personal testimony I'm thinking about 9-11 for you is it something that you think about often or honestly not not that much or I would say the two uh main ways that I think about it is one when I was a teacher I would always have these students with birthdays that were like 2006, 2008. And I was like, you guys weren't even around when 9-11 happened. Like just that (laughs) baffling moment of these kids didn't live through this huge historical moment Mm. that has shaped the America that I've grown up in. Yeah. Uh, And that just blows my mind. And so I would say yes in that aspect. And then the second thing would be... uh, it's also really had a huge influence on my generation's love for America and uh, political, I guess, shaping. Uh, America independence has really changed since 9-11. And I would say uh, there's a lot of political influence that comes out of that that maybe I don't agree with, but that has influenced my life. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I I think uh, for our generation, well, prior to 9-11, there's just sort of this uh, widespread, assumed, but low-level patriotism of, um, (laughs) you know, you go to football games and every player is standing um, Mm -hmm. and with their hand on their heart and... uh, uh, everyone generally just had this uh, low-grade appreciation for for America and how safe we were and secure we were and prosperous and all uh, and free mm-hmm. um, and all of that um, and yeah to your point I, I think since then uh, the the road diverged um, or, or maybe the road went one way of this very fervent uh, patriotism that mixed with certainly some anger uh, and seeking for revenge and things like that. And then there was a, uh, a segment of the population that reacted to that by becoming essentially anti-patriotic mm-hmm. or, or, or feeling like uh, patriotism is in and of itself... Um, Islamophobic or, or something like that. So, uh, yeah, definitely our generation, um, the, those who are patriotic seem to be, uh, very, uh, kind of aggressive in their patriotism. Yeah. 
uh, and then those uh, who aren't are aggressive in their non-patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, do you want to maybe give us a quick recap on how September 11th changed your life? Yeah, so um, I won't won't belabor the point since uh, we've talked about it before, but uh, yeah, I, I remember um, I was in eighth grade and you know, it, it's uh, the very beginning of eighth grade. They're, they're in the fall. I, I think it was our second week of, of school. Um, if I remember correctly, it was a Tuesday, and I uh, just got on the school bus that morning, and the radio was on, and they, uh, the gal on the radio report was saying that, that the World Trade Center had been hit. Um, and as a kid from rural North Idaho, I had no idea what the World Trade Center was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just kind of some confusion and all the kids uh, talking and those toward the front of the bus were talking with the school bus driver about what was happening. Um, and I think it was during that school ride when the second plane hit okay. and then the bus driver was like, oh, th- this is a, an intentional attack. Uh, because right at the beginning, um, it's like, what What a weird freak accident. Why was that plane, you know, in that airspace to begin with and that kind of a thing? Uh, but when the second one hit, it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so then we, we got there and were dropped off at the middle school. And it was literally um, all day that day. Um, you go from class to class and the class just sat and watched the news. Mm. Um, and we're kind of processing it as it happened. And there was the other plane that hit the Pentagon and and the fourth plane that, Mm -hmm. um, that was crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. Um, and you know, they, there's that footage that's now really famous of George Bush, uh, president Bush was, uh, visiting a classroom and, and, uh, you know, reading a book to the kids or something, and then someone comes and whispers in his ear, and you can see in his face, like, oh. Um, so, yeah, just so much uh, happening, and as an eighth grader, um, raging hormones and all, just trying to figure it all out. Um, and then, of course, um, the Lord, in, in his kindness, uh, used all that chaos um, that in so many ways had nothing to do with me to save me mm. and uh, and really draw me to himself um, through that kind of realization that life is fragile and mm-hmm. security is is kind of an illusion <laughs> um, even in mighty America so yeah, yeah um, I, I think one of the interesting uh, ways that um, the way that I came the path that the Lord took me to to come um, to Christ um, affected my early Christianity was was that I kind of tied patriotism and Christianity together hmm. um, just because it was all deeply emotional and and raw and and I came to Christ in the midst of this national crisis mm-hmm. where I mean there for a little bit, everyone was patriotic yeah and and so that's just swirling around in in my eighth grader brain um all at the same time so yeah i i would say for probably the first 
uh, 10 years or so of my Christian life, I, I was very much like a God and country kind of mm-hmm. fellow, um, where uh, America and America's interests were sort of, uh, could almost be equated with the good guys or the yeah. right side or e- even Christianity. Hmm. Um, and so the last 10 years since then has been kind of this process of, of rethinking that and, and understanding um, there have been many, many, many times throughout history, including in the response to 9-11, when we were, we as America, were wrong. Hmm. Um, and sometimes downright evil. So uh, that's been an interesting uh, process. Um, any other kind of uh, ways that that it's affected your thinking or your worldview or even your um, political persuasions? I know that eventually we will get into a few of the uh, effects that 9-11 has on society and political persuasions but uh i think here we are 20 years later and the ripple effects from 9-11 are still in our news absolutely uh yeah the afghanistan pullout the american patriotism during times of upheaval where people disagree with america or strongly disagree with america like here we are 20 years later and it's at the forefront of what everybody's talking about, and I don't know if people understand that it's coming from that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so let, let's kind of get right into this. So um, <laughs> you, our listeners, I'm sure are aware you, you don't come to this podcast for um, expert analysis on <laughs> uh, foreign policy and global events, um, but just... I, I thought we could do kind of a quick flyover of, of some ways that uh, 9-11 does continue to uh, affect society and the world. Um, so just it, in uh, my early years and your very early years, <laughs> um, <clears throat> we there was kind of this fairly prolonged tranquility mm-hmm. and um, just a sense pretty widespread uh, of optimism and this feeling that things were getting better yeah. whether it's like race relations or uh, economic opportunity for made more and through, more people yeah we made it through y2k uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a big thing yeah <laughs> um the computers didn't take us over or um shut down the world yeah so so there's just this sense it it had been you know over a decade since the really intense race riots in la yeah and so the the 90s and into the early 2000s there there's just this sense of like uh, we're all in, in this together. We're all optimistic. We're all heading in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Of course, not everything was perfect, but uh, e- yeah, and and that's just absolutely changed. Yeah. Um, and nine eleven is not the only reason for that change, but I I would say it was the first domino to fall of the general optimism and we're all in this together eventually being replaced with this deeply fractured pessimism yeah uh, on 
bipartisan pessimism <laughs> um, antagonism toward one one another so. yeah <clears throat> yeah and from that moment on I would say it was truly a pivot point uh, where from that moment on all of how our interrelational goings-on in America changed so we had the Patriot Act that changed we had military advancements that changed we had political parties that, I guess, put more of a staunch stance on what they believe and why, all because of this moment. Yeah, yeah. And it is interesting, just as, as, like, as far as presidential politics are concerned, to go back, for instance, <clears throat> uh, the election between uh, Bill Clinton and Bob Dole, and to look at the differences mm-hmm. between them, and they're like minute com- <laughs> compared to the differences uh these days yeah. um where where the i guess spectrum uh, uh politically speaking was just the the entire spectrum was what we would call the middle now yeah um so yeah de- definitely uh it's played a role in the ongoing unfolding uh, of the reaction and then the ripples from the reaction uh, have, have I think, for sure played a role, an initial role in getting us uh, to the hyper-partisan place that we're, we're at right now. Um, there's also, uh, I, I think, getting more into, the, I guess, the world religions piece of this, um, there's a pretty widespread um, distrust and even hatred of uh, Arab people in yeah. general yeah. and Muslims specifically yep. uh, following 9-11. And then I guess what's interesting is the reaction to that. So now um, it's basically off limits to criticize Islam mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah just uh, sociologically that's a really interesting phenomenon because for progressivism uh, true fundamentalist Islam it is deeply opposed to everything that progressives believe in mm-hmm. and stand for yeah uh, so um, you know they progressives would be very critical of our stance um, regarding homosexuality for instance yeah well uh, you can do a little research on how the taliban will treat homosexuals um but there's this weird disconnect of like you're not allowed to talk about why they treat homosexuals that way and it's because of a religious viewpoint yeah i think that i've experienced both the distrust of Muslims and now the coddling of Muslims quite a bit in uh, my interactions with fellow friends, acquaintances, Americans. (laughs) Um, And for a while, it was definitely the distrust of Muslims that people wrestled with. Uh, And it was truly this American deep-seated, like, hatred for them um because they treaded on our land and they hurt our pride and 
uh, our country. And I don't know when I saw the shift. Definitely when I was in college, I saw this shift happening of the coddling now. Um, and the all-inclusive acceptance um and it's something that I truly to both sides I struggle with reacting to the American (laughs) standpoint on both sides um I am a Christian and so I truly believe that those who are uh Muslim are not saved and I it is my duty to evangelize to them But both of these reactions are just so extreme and they don't even have a gospel perspective in them. Right. And it's hard for me to understand either of those camps. Yeah, yeah. And for sure, that's where this, this, uh, like I mentioned before in my own thinking, but it was also widespread, this God and country thinking can be very damaging for Mm -hmm. Great Commission work uh, because as far as our country is concerned... Um, large swaths of these people groups were the enemy. Yeah. Uh, and we need to defeat the enemy and, quite frankly, kill the enemy. Yeah. Uh, whereas in uh, terms of the gospel and Christ's heart for people um, is to uh, save Muslims and yeah. to uh, bring Muslims to a knowledge uh, of the truth and and to repentance. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, what what was interesting uh, at that time? I've I've heard a few interviews of uh, Arab Christians yeah. at, in that era, yeah. and they were hated yeah. um, simply by virtue of how they looked. And it, it of course is reminiscent of the treatment of many Japanese Americans during World War II. Uh, some mm-hmm. some even soldiers for the United States mm-hmm. uh, were just profoundly mistreated simply because of how they looked and the assumptions that people make about people based on their outward appearance and scripture's pretty clear about um (laughs) outward appearance (laughs) yeah so uh yeah now the the worldview of fundamentalist islam is clearly uh evil yeah and we should be able and willing and courageous now enough to say so yeah um but my worldview before christ saved me was evil yeah uh and so is yours and so um it it is truly evil and god saves evil people that that's the whole message of the gospel so um (laughs) we were discussing whether or not to get into uh the mess of the withdrawal from Afghanistan and I'm inclined at this moment to, to not go there. Uh, are you okay with that? Yeah, uh, I guess the one thing that I just would like to say is that what we're seeing in this mess of the withdrawal in Afghanistan is directly related to 9-11 and we as Christians should have an opinion on it, a stance on it, uh, including how we respond to Arabs, how we respond to uh, American mess-ups, how we respond to taking being in charge of taking somebody's life, yeah. uh, knowing that they're not saved, stuff like that. I, I really think that 
if this has reminded me of anything, it's that we need to not be complacent in our Christian beliefs, but even if the world is saying one thing, we need to have a stance on what the Bible says and to be heartbroken over it and to be actively praying and seeking the Lord in the mess and to be praying for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted and are being martyred now. Uh, It is something that we need to think about and to be praying diligently and to have an opinion on. Right. And it... um, Something I think about a lot is... I don't know if mourning is the right word, sadness, grief, Um, but just the the nature of life in the 21st century where uh, the overwhelming majority of our forefathers would be altogether unaware of what's happening even a hundred miles away, mm-hmm. let alone um, <laughs> on the opposite side of the world. Yeah, and so I, I've I've gone back and forth a lot about um, you know the, there's ministries geared toward making us aware of what's going on with the persecuted church, and I, I and I truly do believe that those are good ministries. We're clearly supposed to care for the entire global church um and especially to be praying for those who are persecuted of course um uh, but i i'm always struck in kind of this awkward feeling um so they're the underground church in kabul kabul excuse me um kabul there we go uh was martyred um and it sounds like the entire underground church was martyred um and so obviously my heart heart breaks for for them um and is thrilled for them at the same Mm -hmm. time uh they're receiving the crown of glory uh but just that sense of like i'm feeling so much emotion based on this information that i have but i feel awkward about it knowing that there's however many other persecuted christians around the world at the same exact time also being persecuted yeah uh so i just uh that's one area where it's it's hard for me to know um what's my responsibility here is it good to pursue this information is it okay to pray generically Mm. for the persecuted church but uh do you have any thoughts on that all of the above (laughs) okay uh i i more than you would be in the emotional category. A little bit. <laughs> um, and <clears throat> I've shed tears over this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, absolutely I should shed tears over this because my brothers and sisters are being killed. Right. Um, and should my heart break for them? Yes. Should my heart break for the persecuted church around the world? Yes. Should I be, should this drive me to pray generally? Yes. Uh, should it make me more active in my personal faith? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I guess, yeah, on top of all of that, the one reminder that I've had is yesterday we sat in church freely. Uh, and we have brothers and sisters around the world who are in the 
quote-unquote underground church being killed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I need to not be lackadaisical about the fact that I am able to freely meet with my brothers and sisters and worship the Lord openly and not be persecuted. Right, yeah. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so it's it's interesting to think that uh, I'm sure I'm not the only Christian in the world today that uh, God used 9-11 to uh, help make <laughs> yeah. a Christian. And so uh, it is one of those reminders of the sovereignty of God and the way that so often he uses tragic circumstances, heartbreaking things, whether it's 9-11 to begin with or, or the tragedies happening in Afghanistan right now, uh, to draw people to himself. And uh, so there certainly is uh, a tremendous amount of hope and um, even peace that, that we can have in knowing that. Uh, do you have any... I guess, closing thoughts on uh, the way that perhaps the church, the American church, has been influenced um, by 9-11 and the after effects? Yeah, I have definitely seen here in our small town this, what you kind of talked about, this God and country, uh, quote-unquote, gospel message is really prominent where we live. Uh, you can drive and we don't even have stoplights in our town. It takes three minutes to get from one end to the other. And in that drive, you will see 30 different flags, both on both opinions of the political spectrum. And here we are like God and country so deep rooted into American gospel. Um, and it's something that I've really wrestled with of like, is it wrong? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. And it, it's all goes back to this moment. Right. And be, being able to return to that nuanced position uh, and, and remember that the Founding Fathers, uh, their whole deal was um, making it so that we're not subservient uh, subjects of the all-powerful state. Yeah. Um, we, we don't owe all of our allegiance to um, our earthly home. Yeah. Um, their whole goal was true freedom and, you know, among the <laughs> list of the most important freedoms is uh, freedom to worship. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, be, being able to appreciate those freedoms and thank the Lord that he's placed us where he has and, and perhaps even uh, fight for those freedoms while not conflating our citizenships. Yeah. Um, our true citizenship is in heaven and we have so much more in common uh, with our Afghan um, brothers and sisters in Christ than yeah. we do with the person, you know, the American uh, that we share the most in common with politically yeah. who isn't in Christ. And so yeah. just uh, keeping those kinds of things in mind. And um, as you hit on, um, uh, a heart that breaks for Muslim people and desperately desires them to come to a knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and that same prayer goes for our leaders in our country, running our country. A heart that breaks for the fact that most of them don't know the Lord and desperately need a savior. Right. Uh, they're grasping at political straws as their fulfillment to this big what is life question. And uh, Baby, don't hurt. Oh, boy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, anyways, that's all. <laughs> for interrupting. Uh, join us next week for a discussion on the different translations of the Bible, and I'll try to be more mature then. Oh, boy. Bye! <laughs>